Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. What we're going to do today is take a look back at Adventure of the Seas. So my buddy Tommy cruised it last January, so January of 2020. That is going to be one of the first ships returning to service this summer over in Nassau, Bahamas. So we're going to take a look back at Adventure and figure out, you know, where are some quiet spots, how he thinks the ship may deal with what is to come when it starts sailing, and all the good stuff like that. Also, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News, and we'll jump to her right now. Hello, Sherry. Hi, Doug. So the CDC has changed some rather important guidance in the conditional sale order. Yeah, so on April 2, if you remember, the CDC released their first update to their conditional sailing order since October but that content remained pretty vague as to when cruise ships might sail again from U.S. ports. Now, this new Phase 2A update contained a laundry list of procedures the cruise lines would need to follow, but nothing at all about a restart date. So then, following the wrath of the state of Florida suing the CDC, Alaska threatening to sue the CDC, and Carnival hinting that they move all of their ships to foreign ports, the CDC backtracked a little bit on one sticking point. And what they changed was the requirement, the original requirement for a 12-hour lapse where exiting and embarking cruise passengers couldn't occupy the same gangway, check-in area, or terminal waiting areas. So what was changed was this requirement from saying within the same 12-hour period to, to the extent, practicable. So if the CDC's order stays in place, then phase 2B has the cruise lines meeting certain requirements to conduct trial voyages and then file post-cruise reports. Coming to phase 3, we'll have the cruise lines applying for a conditional sailing certificate. And finally, phase 4, with certificate in hand, cruise lines will be allowed to restart sailings with a restricted number of overnights and complete passenger testing requirements. And this segues nicely to our next talking point, which is things have been getting heated here in Florida and Alaska. Along with Florida filing a lawsuit against the CDC, the state of Alaska jumped into the fray and both states together have introduced a bill called the Cruise Act. And its goal is to, quote, provide COVID-19 mitigation instructions for cruise ships and other purposes. The bill demands that cruises from U.S. ports should begin sailing on July 4th. The bill also states that no later than June 1, the CDC shall issue recommendations for how to mitigate the risks of COVID-19 introduction, transmission, and spread among passengers and crew on board cruise ships and in the shoreside communities and ports that they visit. In a recent television interview, Alaska's Governor Dunleavy stated that, quote, most folks on the boats will be vaccinated. We can put together the protocols that will keep people safe. But complicating the issue to allow these big ships to cruise to Alaska is that Canada's ban on foreign ships is still in place. And this means that the required stop in a foreign port by cruise ships that depart from a U.S. port cannot be fulfilled. And just to note, the income brought into Alaska every year by cruise ships and its passengers totals over $3 billion, and not only did 1.36 million cruise passengers visit Alaska in 2019, 
160,000 of them extended their visit on land as well. Given the first two stories there, momentum is definitely being garnered and things are moving in the right direction for a change with the vaccines and therapies. I mean, the fact is 100,000 people need to safely get back to work. So something is going to have to break one way or the other in the not too distant future. It remains to be seen, but you would think it would, right? Yep. Keep driving the awareness train. So more cancellations. Yeah, so Royal Caribbean and Celebrity announced another round of cruise cancellations extending through June of 2021. And the only exception is the handful of cruise departures that the cruise lines have planned for foreign ports. So over at Royal Caribbean, uh, we've talked about this, Quantum of the Seas has been sailing from Singapore for quite a while. But new departures include those from Israel, Bahamas, Bermuda, the Med, and the UK. And those are all scheduled to begin for Royal Caribbean in May and June. Celebrity is relocating two ships, Celebrity Millennium, and their new Celebrity Apex will cruise this summer, uh, Millennium over in St. Martin, and Celebrity Apex makes her debut in Greece. So it looks like one cruise line executive had a pretty fat payday during the pandemic. Yeah, you're going to love this one. So the way I look at it is Rome burns while Nero fiddles. And that sort of describes the situation at Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings. So while CEO Frank Del Rio garnered over $36 million in compensation last year, the holding company lost $4 billion and employee salaries were quite cut by 20%. And this is according to MarketWatch. They state that Del Rio's total compensation of $36.38 million last year was up from $17.81 million the year before. The financial windfall included something that was called, in quotes, all other compensation, which increased from $270,000 to $10.48 million. And Del Rio also received $100,000 for a travel expense allowance, $20,000 for country club membership, and a $12,000 personal allowance, the same as he received the previous year. And while matching 401k contributions were paused for employees, Del Rio received a $14,000 match. But he's not the only executive at the holding company to receive nearly double the pay as in 2019. Four other CEOs within Norwegian Holdings also received anywhere from 44% to a 71% increase in income. That's a lot of money to be bringing in for a pandemic when you laid off 40% of your workforce. I don't know. I can't really crap on them, though, because I'm sure other CEOs in the industry are doing the same thing, and their report just got published first. Yeah. But like you said, you know, they're the first ones to whose dirty laundry was aired, yeah. just like they're usually the first ones with the Cancellations. drink package increase and gratuity yeah. increase and Maybe the, uh, the next ones will appear shortly. Well, a Royal Caribbean ship plans to move to the West Coast a little sooner than expected. Yeah, so for the first time in 10 years, Royal Caribbean had planned to home port a ship on the West Coast. But in 2022, a recent announcement, the cruise line revealed that they will bring Navigator of the Seas to Los Angeles in November 2021 for year-round sailings. So from L.A., Navigator will offer three, four, and five-night cruises and visit offshore Catalina Island, Ensenada, and Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. But over the winter holiday season, there will be seven night departures that will include an overnight in Cabo, that should be fun, and plus the addition of Puerto Vallarta and Mazatlan. Recently refurbished in 2019, Navigator of the Seas now boasts a redesigned pool area, 
new dining and nightlife spaces, plus updated soft goods. I do love the overnight in Cabo. Yeah, they have to overnight in Cabo because yeah. it'll be like Cozumel where people go running for the ship before it leaves port. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no comment there. <laughs> right. Yeah, because we got that photo of you running for the ship with a balloon hat. Cozumel. It was not a balloon hat. It was just a sun hat. <laughs> uh, listener question is from Paul. Email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. I took a cruise in 2005 aboard Norwegian Wind out of Honolulu that had a foreign port stop at Fanning Island. Whatever happened to Fanning Island? Will it ever be a cruise stop again? Well, I did a little bit of research, Paul. And so when Norwegian Wind first started its round-trip Hawaiian Islands cruising, the ship was, like you said, required to make a service call to Fanning Island. Even though the ship was staffed and crewed with U.S. citizens, because the ship was built in a foreign country, it was required by the Passenger Services Vessel Act to stop in a foreign port. The Passenger Vessel Services Act prevents foreign vessels from transporting passengers solely between U.S. ports. And we know that from talking about Alaska all the time and other places. And according to the U.S. General Accounting Office, back in February 2004, Norwegian Cruise Line obtained an exemption from U.S. maritime law to operate three foreign-built ships under the U.S. flag in Hawaii. So in order to complete this exemption, Norwegian Cruise Line created a U.S. subsidiary called NCL America to meet the U.S. ownership requirements to operate a U.S. flag vessel in domestic trade. Of course, this didn't sit too well with Norwegian's foreign flag competitors, and plus, the exemption for Norwegian wasn't a totally welcome decision for another reason, that being the effect this might have on any future efforts to a U.S. flag cruise fleet as the cost to build a ship in the U.S. would be considerably higher than in an overseas shipyard. So <laughs> the bottom line is that's why Norwegian doesn't have to go way out of the way to stop at Fanning Island, and I really doubt it would do so if it had the opportunity anyway. Yeah, you're talking 1,100 miles each way. That's a, a couple of sea days. Well, actually, more than that, probably, going uh, pretty fast for the ship. All right, Sherry Laskin with CruiseMaven.com. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. See you next week. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. The world is constantly changing. Your place for news is still the same. Online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. So Tommy Casabona is with us from the Always Be Booked podcast. Tommy, welcome to the show, my friend. 
What's going on, Doug? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So I want to talk about Adventure of the Seas. You were on the show with a full review of this ship back on episode 575. So that was uh, February of 2020, right before everything went down. You were on an eight-night sailing, Southern Caribbean, or I guess Eastern Caribbean, out of Fort Lauderdale. And I just want to ask you a couple of questions because Adventure is going to be one of the very first ships going back to sea this summer, not from the U.S., but from Nassau, Bahamas. So if you don't mind, I want to ask you a few questions and kind of see where your head is at and some, for us going on that ship, what we should expect. Is that cool? Absolutely. I remember that cruise well. It seemed like it was a it was a way simpler time back then. <laughs> it, it really was. And that was actually the cruise, too, before we get started here, that Colin and I, we flew down and did two ports with you, right? We did uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and St. Thomas. Yes, big shout out to Colin and you. And I could tell you, like, all I could say is it was just one thing after another. It was a group cruise that we had, and everything was going absolutely perfectly. I couldn't have imagined a better cruise. And then all of a sudden, San Juan, you and Colin surprised me. And then it was like, this is this is too good to be true. And then, yeah, you, you broke the news that not only were you hanging out in San Juan, you were going to move over to St. Thomas with us the next day. Two amazing days. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good time down there. So what were your first thoughts when you heard that Adventure of the Seas would be one of the first ships to start sailing again? Well, my first thought, feeling, whatever you want to call it, was just complete nostalgia. I hear that name now and I just, you know, I have my uh, little montage, my YouTube montage on it. And I just we just had so much fun on that cruise that any time I hear Adventure of the Seas now, my heart gets a little warm. Then I guess after that, you know, started to wear off. I was sort of thinking of the curiosity, you know, why, why adventure of the seas? What was the strategy behind them picking this uh, particular ship? I still don't know the answer to that. And then I guess the final thing I thought was, okay, how do I get on? Have you actually considered this? I have considered it. I was actually booked momentarily on it. I canceled it. You know, the issue with me is I do not like to fly in airplanes. They, for me, they go a little too high. Uh, and uh, out of Nassau, I just got excited. I knew when I heard there was a ferry from Florida to Nassau. So without researching it, I did a shotgun booking. And then as I researched it a little bit more, I found out that ferry you know, is multiple, I guess, uh, multiple trips and uh, probably all in all about 12 to 15 hours. So, yeah, we're not we're not going to go that route. We're going to wait around for a little while, see what else, see what else pops up stateside. Yeah, I was going to say, if you wanted to go to Nassau from Florida, you would have to go to Freeport first and then take a ferry from Freeport to Nassau, correct? Yes. And then I had to kind of like look myself in the mirror and say, Tommy, how bad do you want to go on this cruise? And I would imagine it's a fast ferry. So if you're talking like anything, you know, I don't know what the uh, layover time is, but I think from uh, Freeport to Nassau, you're probably looking at at least, you know, six, seven, eight hours. I'm not sure, but... Those ferries are not necessarily the smoothest rides, I would yeah. imagine. <laughs> Since you spent eight nights on the ship, they haven't really released all of the protocols we can expect once we sail in June. But it seems safe to assume like social distancing will be one of those. What areas on this ship do you think will provide the biggest challenge where like social distancing is concerned? Okay, let me think. I have to say first knee-jerk reaction always on these Royal Caribbean ships and how kind of like, I guess, regimented sometimes things seem to be in the buffet area. My first thought is the wind jammer. 
pretty much seems like the most congested portion of the ship. I would also say probably think about the solarium, the adults-only solarium, because you know on the newer Royal Caribbean ships, they have these elaborate, beautiful, gorgeous solariums, multi-tiered. On the older ships like Adventure, uh, the Voyager-class ships, they have a solarium, but it is much smaller, a little bit more compact, and adults a lot of times like to get away from the kids, and that's why that area is so popular. So I could see them having a little bit of a challenge there. Do the solariums on the bigger Oasis-class ships, a lot of the windows, I'm, I'm sure the solariums are a lot bigger on those ships too, obviously, because the ship is like three times the size, but do they have big windows that open on Adventure? No, you're basically uncovered on it on adventure and all the Voyager and I believe what is it the Independence class ships they are open so you don't have that and if you know on the Oasis class you're covered but they do have open air it's kind of hard to explain just the way it's kind of layered I was also wondering what they were going to do with the Royal Promenade one the natural flow of traffic mm-hmm. uh, but also. I would imagine those events would have to be canceled, like the theme parties and the parades. They can't really pull that off and uh, and, and act like there's going to be any sort of social distancing, right? Yeah, it is very – I don't know how many videos you've seen on YouTube of what it's actually like sailing like over in Asia right now or in Europe or northern Europe. It's definitely a different look. Exactly. And in the common areas, like if you want to talk about like nightlife. So I think on a lot of those Royal Caribbean ships, once you hit 10, 11 p.m., a couple of the places that people most like to be is either that English pub, which let's be honest, it's designed for intimacy. Yeah. And uh, the nightclub, the Olive and Twist nightclub. Now, you do have some space up there, but you know what people want to do in a nightclub. They want to hang out. They want to get drinks. When you get the drinks, you want to get on the dance floor. And how will they regulate all that stuff? So I guess I don't know. What, I don't know what you think, but I think that's probably going to be the areas where they're going to have to put a lot of thought into, right? You'd have to imagine there is going to be a lot of patrolling, right? Like when I was in the Apple store the other day, it was kind of the one in, one out, and someone monitoring the flow and the people with an iPad. Yeah, I'm in the nightclub restaurant business, and we've had to do that in general very often just for occupancy purposes. But it's going to be funny how they're going to handle the dance floor. Maybe we'll take it back to the senior prom and we'll have the the proverbial uh, chaperones out there monitoring the social distance. Yeah, it's going to be a different landscape, that's for sure. So I want to touch on some other parts of the ship. We know that buffets aren't going to be a thing, at least starting out, for the foreseeable future at least. That area you mentioned can get a little cramped sometimes. By the pool, how is the pool space out there? Is it is it tiered? Is it opened? I've never been on the ship before. I'll say that's the one thing about uh, Royal Caribbean. I think they take a little bit of a hit sometimes when it comes to, I guess, maybe being I get a little cookie cutter. It seems like... All throughout their reign from the earlier ships all the way up to the, um, you know, the independence and the liberty and things like that. It's a little bit cookie cutter. But one thing they do a tremendous job of is on that pool deck. It's very, very open and there's plenty of room. Uh, You know, usually they have multiple pools and there's a lot of deck space up there. I'd say that that's a uh, strong point of Royal Caribbean. Are their theaters pretty big on that ship? The theaters are big, yeah. I think that's going to be a pretty easy fix. They're just basically going to have their number and have their distance every other seat, every three seats, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to be it. They're just not going to be able to pack the theaters like they used to. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think they're going to do the best they possibly can. So this is kind of my next question. Kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, but. Obviously, ships will be sailing at reduced capacity, probably somewhere in the range of 60%-ish. 
when you were sailing, was it at full capacity and did it ever feel crowded if it was? Yes, it was full capacity. And I could say that's just a feather in Royal Caribbean's cap. They do a really good job. As I mentioned before, you know, if you're going to knock it, maybe a lot of the ships are the same, you know, that's good and bad because at least you know where everything is. But also the way it's designed is that I just feel like it contributes to just a very, very comfortable flow. So I never really felt on any Royal Caribbean ship, even if I was on the Oasis of the season, there was upwards of 6,000 people on the ship. It just never feels cramped. Okay, so flipping the coin, if you wanted to go somewhere on the ship where there wasn't anyone, like we all like those quiet spots, where could you go on adventure? Okay, if you're talking quiet spots, yes, the pool deck is not necessarily going to be quiet. While you will be able to socially distance, you know, there's going to be people out there. I would say, you know, one of the best kept secrets or worst kept secrets, whatever you want to say, is that helipad at the front of the ship. Now, it's not that big, but... A lot of people never find that area. It's sort of hidden. If you end up on the promenade deck, you know, go towards the forward portion of the ship and you'll see a stairway and just keep going. You'll almost feel like you're not supposed to be there, but you're absolutely fine. That helipad is one option for you. Also, contrastly, all the way at the other end of the ship, up on the pool deck is the aft portion of the ship where you have the flow rider. Usually a nice little bar back there, but also that's where your sports is. You have your uh, basketball court, you have your mini golf section. And honestly, that's more of the activities area. But again, it's open. There's a beautiful breeze back there. To me, it's the best view on any part of the ship. So I would suggest maybe hitting the top where the pool deck is and heading aft towards the rear of the ship. What are your thoughts on the spa in the gym? That's a great question. I wonder how they're going to handle that. I don't know if they'll do anything different. I actually just got back from the gym and basically they just make every other machine out of order. I don't know if they'll do some sort of, like you mentioned, the nightclub thing. I would imagine that there's a set number of people that could be there at any period of time. I have no idea. And let me ask you, Doug, what do they do with pools in general? Like is social distancing a thing in the pools? Now I'm actually just thinking of this as I'm saying it. If anybody does a good job of making sure the rules are followed, it's those lifeguards on Royal Caribbean ships. But do you think they will be uh, tasked with making sure people stay six feet or three feet apart while in the pool? Is that like even a thing? That's a good question, Tommy. I mean, I will say when I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, I was over at Mandalay Bay and by the pool, if you were laying out by the pool, you had to have a mask on, which could make some weird um, suntan lines, right? But when you were in the pool, it was business as usual. Yeah, I'll say two things. First of which I think, listen, if you are not comfortable with crowds, if you are one of those people, and again, I, again I've said it before on my show, I think I've even said it on your show, I don't have any issues with anybody's level of comfortability, high or low, when it comes to this. No judgment whatsoever. But if you do happen to be one of those people who is has a low tolerance for anybody kind of pushing or uh, pushing past some of the rules as far as social distancing, if you're a little bit nervous to be in crowds, any type of apprehension regarding COVID-19 whatsoever, I would strongly suggest you're not ready for cruising. This is not the form of travel that I think you should – take part in right now. The second thing is if you are not willing to completely manage your expectations, if you're one of those people say, I'm going back to cruising, I'm going to get on this ship and it's going to be just like the old days. No, you are also not ready to get on a cruise ship. And that might, I don't even know yet. That might be me. When you think about things like that, I mean, when you say reservations for the pool, reservations for the casino, uh, you know, uh, wearing masks at the, it's, it's, 
I don't have a problem with any of the rules. I just have to make the decision. Am I going to be able to manage my expectations to the level that will allow me to have a good time on a cruise ship? It'll certainly be different once we get back. I booked on Adventure of the Seas for June and... um like you were just saying about managing your expectations, definitely doing a lot of that and not expecting the, let's say, happy-go-lucky cruise that we've done over a hundred times. But I'm still excited to get back. The ship's got to get back and I'm happy to support them. And also, get me on a ship. I'm happy anyway. Just get me out to sea at this point. Yeah, let me just ask you that. So you're going on one of these sailings. Mm-hmm. When you get on that sailing in your mind, your mindset, would you be able to give it like put a percentage to one versus the other? actually enjoying a vacation versus fact-finding? In reality, I'd say it's probably somewhere along 50-50. I mean, it's hard not to have fun when you're on a ship, right? Because even when you are working, I mean, let's face it, I love what I do. Like, I I live for coming up here in the morning and doing the news briefs at the crack of dawn and things like that. So it's not really work to me. So there's going to be a lot of fact-finding and a lot of finding information for cruisers who are going to be on that ship or are planning on cruising outside of the U.S. in the next few months, hopefully inside the U.S. uh, shortly thereafter. So yeah, 50-50 probably. Sure. All right, man. Well, in closing, give me some final thoughts of Adventure of the Seas. Like if someone's going to be sailing on there, like myself, any places we should check out or anything we should know, any kind of like insider tips you found out when you were sailing last time? Adventure of the Seas. It's a great cruise ship it's a very very functional cruise ship when you talk about royal caribbean you're not as far as adventure goes you're not thinking about the newest bells and whistles there is not an eye fly on there there is not a north star there is only one flow rider i would say if you are looking to have a great time on a perfectly well-functioning and enjoyable large cruise ship and it is an older ship but it's pretty large for an older ship i think it's a a phenomenal phenomenal ship like i said i was curious as to why they picked that ship but it's a great ship and i would say some of the places on that ship that i really gravitated towards was the johnny rockets now johnny rockets i think takes a little bit of a hit because it's not free when you compare it to places like guys on carnival but i had a great experience at johnny rockets and i believe that it is underrated i did mention the english pub i don't know what the protocols will be there but i mean you want to talk a place full of energy absolutely phenomenal I love the way they layer up the uh, main dining room. You have the three tiers. You feel like you're having a very, very kind of, dare I say, royal dinner experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's pretty much it. Enjoy the pool deck. Enjoy the solarium. Enjoy the basics. You want to talk about a lot of cruise ships nowadays. They say there's too much going on and you don't really connect with the sea. Adventure of the Seas, they didn't amplify it. Now, it was recently refurbished, so it's in great shape. They didn't amplify it, which is kind of adding a lot of the New Age Royal Caribbean stuff on it. But if you're looking to get on a cruise, reconnect with the sea, you're going to have an absolutely amazing time on Royal Caribbean Adventure of the Seas. All right. Where can we find you online, Tommy? Alwaysbebooked.com. If you want to hear a podcast about cruising, and I think you might, uh... Always be booked anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. I appreciate that, Doug. All right, buddy. Thanks so much for sharing some time with us this evening. I sure appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, 
Give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.